there is a place I'd give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath stars and a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico so, a little bit of uh, Long John there uh, for uh, John Bonimio. Uh John, a very good morning to you. Good good evening. Good morning to you good too, morning, Martin. Yeah. So, let's start with uh, Colombia, where mostly we know about drug cartels is the first thing uh, we think of when we hear about uh, Colombia. However, the uh, leftist Petro has now been sworn in there, the first uh, leftist president in Colombia's uh, history. Uh, and whilst that was broadly expected, um, that he would invite the uh, ELN, the, the ELN, I assume, are the cartels. No, the ELN are the last remaining dissident militant group. Right. So they are soldiers that wanted to bring about seminal political change by force. Think of the IRA, if you like. Right. And that's the kind of organization. The FARC, the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, were the biggest organization, but they came into the peace process, the flawed peace process in 2016. The ELN are the last remaining organization that were much smaller, but they're still holding arms. So it was broadly expected that they were going to right. enter the peace process with this new president. But as you say, mm. the the real surprise is that the Gulf cartel, the biggest cartel criminally, uh, criminal organization in Colombia has also said at the same time, hold on a minute, we also want a piece of this. And they have declared, uh, unilaterally declared a ceasefire and said we also want to be at the table. And bear in mind, this is the cartel which only two months ago brought a third of Colombia to a standstill under martial law and curfews because their leader had been arrested and extradited to the US. So that's the level of power that this organization has there. And they've basically said, look, you know, if, if everything's turning on its head in this country in terms of the war on drugs uh, and the peace process being reestablished, then, you know, we, we want to play this game, too, which nobody was expecting. No, absolutely not. How sincere do you think they are? I think, look, I think the first thing I'd say is like, we talk about distant groups, you know, uh, armed dissident groups and we talk about cartels. But really, the, the, the firm lines that define these organizations are much more blurred than, you know, than than we get to speak to in a in a short segment. So really, the the cartels are also militant. They also have political ambitions, and equally, the political the political uh, militants also are heavily involved in organised crime. That's how they fund themselves. So there are very much blurred lines between the you know these organisations uh, for mm. sure. And, and and often they they collaborate in different contexts too. And then the second thing I'd, I'd say is that in terms of cartels, which we know and have spoken about many times, uh, Martin, is that they don't. Uh, abide by any kind of rule book beyond, you know, actually being incredibly brazen and stepping uh, ahead mm. of the uh, ahead of the game the entire time. So although nobody expected this, I mean, really, we should have done because they are constantly reinventing themselves for best possible effect. And of course, when you break things down uh, in that sense, then why would a if, if a criminal organisation is offered an opportunity? to become legal and to actually not have to, you know, no matter how powerful they are, and actually to involve themselves within a uh, an organized state-sponsored process and, and continue doing exactly what they're doing already, then then why wouldn't they? Um, and so it actually, in some ways, you know, however surprising it is, makes perfect sense for them. Yeah. And, and would you say this sort of presages a, 
a bright future for Colombia because let's be honest, think, it hasn't got a bright past. I uh, no, look, the, the, the great tragedy of Colombia is that it is one of the most incredible, beautiful, uh, amazing countries with people the likes of which uh, the kindness and the openness of these people that I've never come across anywhere else. And so and that is where the great tragedy there lies, is that it has been you know, battered uh, by storms, often not within its own making from pillar to post for you know, a 60 year period now. And the hope everybody's hope really there is that actually Petro has some degree of success in terms of this new yeah. presidency. But of course, you know, interests, vested interests never quite let these things play out in in the way that one would expect so i suspect to you know to to quote macmillan that events dear boy are going to come you know come and get in the way yes. of this somewhere down the line indeed uh, tell me about this uh, amazing find that the uh, brazilian police have made this is properly amazing because they uh, brazilian police in rio investigating a con man found a stash of paintings. This is the news stories. They found a stash of paintings worth about 130 million quid under his bed. And they recorded the find uh, as they were, you know, surprise, surprise, pulling up the mattress and then finding the paintings. And then one police officer actually genuinely said on camera, well, 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 look what we have here, which just immediately, you know, uh, made me realize or reminded me that, of course, this wasn't just, you know, these paintings weren't just found, that this was a completely staged discovery where they knew what it was that they were finding and the seriousness of it and took me back to the long and not so illustrious history of Latin American police staging discoveries and, and spectacles over history, yes. uh, of which there are, you know, is a, a long, long list, the most famous of which, I'll give you the the... the the example that I always think of in terms of the lowest of the low, plumbing the depths, which was in Mexico in 2008, where there was this young French, young attractive French lady called Florence Cassez that was implicated in a kidnapping ring uh, in which her boyfriend was. She was working in a hotel in Mexico City, and the charge was that she was um, seeing rich businessmen come in and out. She'd tell her boyfriend they would kidnap them and then take them off to somewhere south of Mexico City. Anyway, the the the, the, the organized crime group was busted by by the police, but the police realized that actually they could make a much bigger thing of it. So rather than just take uh, the, the, the criminals and, uh, into custody and release the kidnapped victims, they decided to wait a couple of days for them to get the press into, into place and then restage the entire thing from the arrest <laughs> to the release of the prisoners. So the, kid, so the kidnapped victims uh, were actually held for an extra couple of days by the police whilst they organized the staging of the release, and this led to, I mean, Florence Cassez going to prison, but actually led to, for at, at that point, she was sent down for 60 years in, in Mexico. Cue lots of photos of this attractive French girl, you know, in, um, yes, in Mexican obviously. prisons and, and so on, and it became a major international incident. And actually, Mexico and, uh, and France cancelled diplomatic relations for a period until eventually she was repatriated to, to France and is now free and so on. But yeah, of, of, uh, this is the, 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 clearly the nadir of uh, Latin America police staging events was this particular one in which the poor kidnapped victims were held prisoner for an extra 48 hours by the actual police after their kidnappers. Let's talk sport now, uh, John. And 95% uh, apparently of everything happening in Uruguay at the moment uh, continues to revolve around Luis Suarez, who on Sunday made his first start for Nacional uh, against Liverpool. 
Remarkably, yeah. No, I, I mean, the 95% that I quoted you may not be a, a fixed official <laughs> metric, but for sure, Uruguay is going crazy for Suarez. Just made his first start uh, in which uh, yeah, Nacional beat Liverpool. Interestingly, in the ancillary news here, um, Liverpool were champions of the, of the previous table. There are two tournaments a year, often in Latin American countries. And, and this is one of the big uh, issues at the moment in Uruguay, is that a lot of clubs that are cash-strapped are actually raising their prices significantly because everybody wants to see Luis Suarez. And Liverpool raised their, raised their prices three times for tickets to, uh, to this particular game. But, yeah, most surprisingly, I guess, is the fact that they were playing Liverpool. Not, uh, I mean, Suarez's old club, but very much not Suarez's old club. And there's this... This thing in Latin America where there's lots of clubs that are actually named after um, English teams. I mean, there's Liverpool from Montevideo, there's an Everton in Chile, there's an Arsenal in Argentina and so on. And the Liverpool history, actually, there's a, there's a, there's a shopping center, really popular shopping centers, successful shopping centers in Mexico called Liverpool also. Um, and they are kind of Woolworths equivalent when, you know, when mm. Woolworths existed. And it, it comes from the fact that the mercantile links to Liverpool where everything was shipped from there over here so that name very much you know still uh, still exists in in a, in a big yeah. sense in across latin america yeah i've always wanted to have a shopping center named after me but it doesn't look likely to happen the uh, tell me about your experience with the uh, uruguayan taxidermists a strange one this uh, tell us all about it john yeah every every time i i talk about uruguay i'm i'm taken back 10 years to when i lived in uruguay for a for a period of time and as happens, you know, you meet a taxidermist on the street, you stop yes. and you have a beer with them, and they start to tell you about the things that they do. And this first taxidermist that I met um, at one point during the, the conversation, the beer that we we're having said to me, and, you know, the thing about taxidermy is it's a really complex process, and you should know that I am the only taxidermist in the whole of Uruguay, to which I thought, okay, that's fine. You know, that's uh, pretty interesting. Only two, about uh, two or three weeks later, meet another taxidermist yeah. uh, in Uruguay, who then, uh, again, t told me about his history and then insisted to me that he also was the only taxidermist in Uruguay. And I kid you not, uh, I figured at that point, you know, maybe it was an accident. And there's this really strange little quirk. But in total, four taxidermists in Uruguay I met, and they all insisted that they were the only taxidermists in Uruguay. So somewhere down the line, something's happened in the taxidermy community of Uruguay, making them all insist that they are the only existing leading light in the industry. Yeah. Well, the only taxidermist story I know is a couple of Australians are walking down the streets and they saw a sign on the front of a shop saying taxidermy. And one guy said to the other, well, what's a taxidermist? And he says, uh, he stuffs animals. And he says to me, yeah, it's all right, it's one of us. Um, but there you are. I probably didn't tell that exactly right, <laughs> but there's a joke <laughs> in there. If you want to rearrange the uh, words and phrases into a well-known phrase or saying, there is a joke in there somewhere. Uh, but I've not been well. Uh, John, thank you so much, as always, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Hope you get it. Hope you get better soon, Martin. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Brilliant. Um, there we go, John Bonfilio from Campeche in uh, Mexico. 